and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How's everybody doing? We have a crazy case. We continue after all these episodes to find new, uh, you know, new scenarios right. when it comes to, uh, to Moida. This is and, an MO uh, we haven't discovered yet. This is an MO that I believe we have not covered, and it's pretty, pretty wild. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's probably in the title, Bone Breaker. You know, yeah. this, this, this person's MO was, was breaking bones. That's what, he's a sexual sadist that that's what he got off on, as sick as that sounds. Just like the um, sound of it. Yeah, but we have another, uh, we have another uh, example as well of, you know, the, just the extraordinary will to live of some people, mm-hmm. and how that can that can end up saving others' lives. Like for sure, if this young man that that uh, got away and, and saved his li- his own life, he also saved many others' lives because there was no doubt in my mind that this this uh, this killer was going to continue to do oh, this. Absolutely. And he had a list. He actually they actually found a list of what was like sixteen boys that he had uh, in mind for his next you know, uh, abduction and, uh, torture sessions. And this killer is so young himself. Yeah. You oh, know? dude, he could have had a, oh. he could have had a prolific serial killer career if it weren't for this young man's, uh, you know, like I said, extraordinary will to live, um, Seriously. And toughness. Have, you know, this is another first. I don't think we've had a sexual fixation as a motive with a, with a, uh, killer so young before. Have you we? might be right there. I mean, you might be right there. He most was, of the most yeah. of the young I mean, in killers, his teens. Mm-hmm. yeah, most of the young killers that we've covered have either been you know spree killers or you know I guess we did do the Fall River cult murders where that man was pretty that young that boy was pretty young when he started yeah. killing people. Uh, Pazuzu Pazuzu was also pretty young. So, but uh, but uh, man, this kid uh, was just a teenager. Head trauma once again, severe, severe oh, head yep. trauma. Yep, I don't, I don't know that this. I don't know that this dude becomes what he became without this serious head trauma that he uh, that he had. Right, and there were a few other uh, instances as well in his past where his mother was uh, known to be a drug user while pregnant with him and whatnot. So I'm sure yeah. that played that played into it a little bit. Yeah, maybe but, a bit of a perfect storm here creating this monster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of perfect storms, man, I think we got a perfect storm of content on Patreon right now. That's about March sixteenth, baby. March sixteenth. Yes. If you've waited all this time to be a patron, maybe you're waiting to finish all of our regular episodes. Maybe you're waiting for who knows what. Maybe you're waiting for your tax return. Yeah. Maybe you just got your tax return. Five bucks a month will get you everything that we create. That's pretty astounding. Five dollars. Uh, Sandu. A month. All of the Sandu content is coming over to, yep. to our uh, two True Crime Guys uh, Patreon page. Um, including what strange shorts, like all of the all of the stuff that you can you can't get for free is going to be there. That's right, all the Sandu stories, and of course you'll still have have access to our once a month Patreon exclusive here on True Crime Guys, as and well just as the banter, just the banter every Friday, every single Friday, just the banter. It's a great way to get involved with the show where we open up the we open up the platform for you guys to to talk about any type of topics or ask questions every single week. It's just the banter. So, guys, it's going to be a jam-packed tier. There's going to be, you know, things coming out three, three to five days a week. I mean, depending on when the uh, the monthly premium episodes drop. So mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous deal. But yeah, if you're already a patron of Sandu, that's okay. You can stay there if you like. Um, but all of the True Crime Guys content will be available on the five dollar tier. Patreon.com/slash True Crime Guys. There's a link below. All right. All right. Let's get into this wild ass case. Let's do it, man. It was the middle of the night. 
For our case this week, we are going to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Baraboo, Wisconsin. Baraboo. Baraboo, Wisconsin. What a cool name for for a town. That is a cool name. I hope we're saying it right. Probably not. I don't really yeah, know actually, how you when can I was, mess it up. Uh, when I was testing out my microphone to make sure that it was, you know, the, the mixer was plugged in, I was, we, we do our vocal warm ups, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you do the Ow Now Brown Cow. Yeah. Today I was doing Barbaloot Suit, Barbaloot Oh, fruit I like that for, one. Because uh, I've been reading the, the sleep book for the kids, Dr. Seuss. Classic, but Bar- Baraboo sounds like something it would be in a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, yeah, it really does. <laughs> like sometimes you were you were mentioning how you, you were like you were. T- There's kind of a funny observation that you made about Dr. Seuss. You it kind of angers you that everybody talks about how good he was at rhyming, and you're like, when you make up your own yeah, words, you, of course you can rhyme. Yeah, anything. you make up your words. I mean, damn, I could rhyme anything yeah. with anything if I just made up words when I needed one. <laughs> yeah. Not to hate on not to Dr. hate on Seuss the creativity. Books, they are the, they are the, the ultimate. Kids no, books. no, no, the creativity, the the inventive yeah. the inventiveness that it takes to write them and create them. No, I, I love the whole world. I love that he created all these words. I'm just saying he, mm. he's not a world class poet, in my opinion, because he's making right. up words. That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> well, yeah. I'm gonna get hated on, probably. Can't hate on Dr. Seuss, right? Oh no, know, wait, man. he got canceled anyways, so we're fine. Yeah, yeah. I think you're yeah, good. Yeah, we're good. He got canceled. I think you're good. <laughs> I don't even know why. I don't, I don't even really know. I don't why. know why I'm either. Like, I'm just, how, can I just read the fucking children's book and not really give a fuck what the guy himself said outside of that? Like, I don't, I, really I don't care. care about that stuff. I mean, he, how long has he been gone? Yeah, maybe. Holy crap! Yeah, they try to cancel him and let me get the all, like, all the collection of books cheaper. That's fine. There we me. go. <laughs> just throw away your Dr. Seuss books. I'll take them. <laughs> right. Um, so, so Baraboo, Wisconsin, today has a population of about twelve thousand, and it's a town. Interestingly, that's obsessed with the circus. It's home of the historic Al Ringling Theater. Oh, well, that makes sense. And uh, deep roots in the, in the circus world. Yeah, uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin. Which I mean, the name fits. It's just it's a it's kind of a crazy name for a town. And then you get you know the circus and yeah, and you got uh, 
young men breaking people's bones for pleasure. Like it's it's a interesting small town. There's a lot lot going on there. <laughs> Apparently, or maybe not really a lot going on there. If if, if people have to go to uh, bait, breaking bones for pleasure, I mean, they need to bring that circus back. Maybe these kids won't be so bored. You know, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because this is a well, like we say, this, a young culprit. Yeah, this this case reminded me. It, it's if you if you've uh, seen the movie Misery. Oh yes, it, it, there's a bit of that to this to this. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie Misery, it's from 1990. It's a psychological thriller starring James Caan and Kathy Bates. The plot centers around an obsessive fan who holds an author captive and forces him to write a story. And at one point, uh, he's all messed up from a car accident. And at one point, like he starts to get better, but then she wants to keep him captive so he can write the story that she wants him to right. write rather than a story that he's going to write on his own. And uh, she takes a sledgehammer to his ankles oh. and, and to keep him where he's at and that, just that part alone just reminded me a bit of this story it's it's really messed up it really is and different motives you know kathy bates character in misery much different motives than our our killer yeah. today but still very yeah and similar. if you're like me I, i've broken many bones and i just i i don't know it just, i hate it you don't get off point. on that it's nice just, clean snap oh god no it's the worst <laughs> It's the worst. Like that show Scarred on MTV back oh, in the day. So if God. I was scanning channels, I was like fucking running for the hills as soon as I landed on oh, that I know. show. I'm like, nope. I do not want to no, see no, that no, shit. No, 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 no. Slow motion train wreck. Can't do nope. it. Some of those fight videos where these dudes get slammed on their leg and then they're like, their whole shin bone breaks. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the UFC fights, oh, too, where they, yeah, they throw a leg kick and their shin snaps. Oh, when it wraps. Arm wrestling. Oh. Arm wrestling is one of the worst ones. Oh yeah. God! When they have a forearm break on the ugh. oh yeah, that's disgusting, bro. That's disgusting. Yeah, not good. I learned. Let's just say I learned to tuck and roll way too late in life. I always would just like <laughs> throw my hand down and break my arm. Right. Just throw your arm out like a kickstand. Yeah, skateboarding incident. I had a, a broken ankle on a trampoline where my friends double jumped me to the sky. Basically, they just kept double jumping me until I could like see the entire neighborhood. Oh, shit. And came down and, and they tried to double jump me again. And it's every bit of the spring of the trampoline was used up and it was just like landing on concrete, yep. broke my ankle. Yep. Uh, fell out of a tree, broke my arm. Let's see. Uh, tackle football, broke my wrists. Uh, broke my foot doing Muay Thai. Nice. So it's like, it's, it's just, I should have avoided this case. I don't know. It's just it super cringe for me. <laughs> I, I like this case. I, I mean, it's cringe for me too. Bone breaking. I don't get off on bone breaking. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it's fascinating that this person did, though, isn't it? It's yeah, like it's, how do you? It's a very, it's a very uh, unusual mo. Yeah, yeah. For serial killers, I mean, we've seen a lot of trends, you know, in like the sexual sadist world, like when it comes to bondage, tying up, getting off on strangling uh, your victims to the point of unconsciousness, and then bringing them back. Like a lot of that stuff, even, even down to like biting, cutting, like a lot. Of, but like bone breaking was like sometimes you know victims would get their bones breaking in some of the cases we do but more of like collateral damage not like the actual intent of what the person's doing right. so much we're talking like this killer got a release from bone breaking like he would release it would break a bone and then instantly be cordial with this person like they're like oh yes can i like, get you, you something got it out to of drink? The system for like, a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what's so fascinating about it very bizarre it's like the very instant bizarre. effect that the bone breaking gave them that instant dopamine drip or whatever it did for this killer is it's just it's so bizarre and rare yeah all right all right so let's let's get into it so this 
Let's start with this case on July 4th, 1994, Independence Day. Oh, wow. Um, 14-year-old Chris Steiner's parents, he lives in Barbaloo, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Um, His parents went to his room at 6.15 a.m. on the 4th of July, 1994, to wake him up. Um, On this this holiday, he actually had a a holiday shift to work at McDonald's. He'd been hired by McDonald's uh, just two weeks prior to uh, Independence Day this year. Yeah, that's the good old days. You could work at 14. It was all about the money. Yeah, he was all about the money. I was the same way. I remember getting a, a job at Vaughn's when I was, uh, I think, 15 or 16, and I worked as much as I could. I was working 39 hours a week and going to high school still. I was closing six nights a yeah, week. Yeah, but that's big money when you're in uh, high school, the, bro. You're a baller. Yeah, yeah, man, that $5 an hour adds up after a while when you get 39 that's of them. Right. You get that check for like 150 bucks, bro. Boom. I'm about to buy all the drinks <laughs> at break, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, Chris Steiner, fourteen-year-old uh, Chris Steiner, was all about that. That's crazy that in 1994 in Wisconsin you could work at McDonald's at fourteen years old, huh? Or, That's what I'm saying. That wasn't always, even that long ago. Yeah, I, I want to say it was sixteen was the earliest you could really get an official job at like a corporation like that. I remember yeah. I worked for like one of my dad's friends as a construction laborer for his small company when I was fifteen, but that was kind of like you know I, I think he paid. Under, under the table, table. Like that's because that, it wasn't even legal to hire that's what i was about point. to say my first job i got at 15 as well which we talked about like a long time ago at a fish camp which we're not going to go into that but yeah like my mom had to take me to work but it was the same thing you know i never got a check like everybody else i got i got cash mm. but there were other people who got paid cash too but they were all around my age and then once we turned 16 mm. then we became official employees you know right yeah so 94 in Wisconsin, 14-year-olds could get jobs at McDonald's, man. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. So his parents go in to his room at 6.15 to wake him up for, I think he had like a 7 a.m. shift at McDonald's on, on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wasn't there. He was not in his room. Um, and this, this was not like him. To, he wasn't the type to sneak out. Um, he was not the type to run away. He was a happy and loud boy that loved out the outdoors, fishing and baseball. Um, so when... You know, he's not in his room. His parents were pretty concerned. Um, there was also some some odd indications, uh, including shoe prints outside of his bedroom window and muddy tracks inside the home as well. Mm, that's pretty damning. These you can look at that. Either I mean, you way, can look right. at that as maybe one of his friends came to to bust him out. You know, maybe they had plans to go to some party or something like that. Um, yeah. So his parents were concerned enough that they called the police. And getting together with the police and examining what, what was going on, they. They surmised that it was possible that he may have snuck out with friends and would return return home soon, and they didn't full on go into panic mode and and, and put on a, a massive search of town or anything like that. Right. They they decided to take a wait and see approach for the rest of the day and see if he would return home. However, he did not, and it would actually days would go by before five days later, um, his body would be found caught on a tree along a bank in the Wisconsin River, mm. seemingly. Um, dumped in a river or somehow ended up in the river and drowned right an autopsy would be performed and the cause of death would be attributed to drowning but the manner of death uh whether it was an accident or otherwise remained undetermined it was a very odd odd way to find him it it was you know everyone was perturbed like how did this how did he end up in this river right this is a young athletic young man who could probably swim right i mean he's he has rivers and lakes in his town like it's yeah it doesn't add up it's like how did he how did he, why did he sneak out first? He's happy. He seems to be mm-hmm. loving life and whatnot. And then he sneaks out. But what what would have been a red flag to me? It's like, if one of his friends came to get him, right? Why would the friend come in the room? 
Why not just knock on the window and be like, hey, come on. Like, why take the extra risk of coming in the room with muddy Even shoes? muddy foot tracks all yeah. over. Yeah, what would be the risk? I just I just don't, that doesn't add up to me. That's why right away it's, it. I thought it was nefarious, which obviously yeah. it is, but I'm just saying, as a parent, I would have been like, why the fuck did they come in here if they if not to get him, physically take him? You know? Right. But that's just me. Yep. As far as the coroner ruling this undetermined, um, it's estimated that some 15 to 20% of deaths around the country occur in a manner that is deemed undetermined with no clear leads or ideas about what had happened. The Steiner case would be in that 15 to 20% and would go cold. Um, mm. And no one in his family knew how he could have drowned or ended up in that river where he ended up. But it was clearly, uh, it was not clearly a murder, according to the police. And they did not look for a perpetrator. They, I'm sure they thought any number of things could have happened. He could have been out drinking or he could have been walking along the road and been hit by a car or who, who knows. But it was just, I, I'm sure they were, it was very skimpy on the evidence front being that he was found in a river right. you know, five days after he went missing. Yeah, there's just not much to go on. Right. And there was no bullet ho- bullet holes, knife wounds. Uh, there wasn't like necessarily damage to his face. Right. From what they could tell. And that would be that for a year. A year would pass. And on July 29th, 1995, a 12-year-old named Thad Phillips was taken from his home. Um, Thad was sleeping on the couch. He just, his, him and his family had actually just moved to Barbaloo. Um, I think it was like two weeks prior. So they were still settling in. And right. And Thad was sleeping on the couch along with his sister. Him and his sister were both sleeping on the couch. It was something that fre- they frequently did. They would just pass out on the couch watching TV or whatever. Right, right. Um, but on this occasion, Thad was picked up from his couch and carried off. And we have his account of this, you know, his groggy account of this because he's the survivor that we mentioned in the beginning of this. Right. Um, so he's sleeping on the couch with his sister and he, he's, he's picked up and carried by someone that he initially believed to be his father. Very common. You know, your kid mm-hmm. falls asleep uh, either in the car or on the couch and you, you pick him up and carry him to bed. That's what he thought was going on, except that this person didn't take him to his bedroom. He took him outside and was carrying him through the yard and away from the home. Um, And as he was getting carried further and further away from the home, it occurred to him that it was not his father, but, you know, and he's still groggy at this point. He he starts assuming that it's a family member that had car trouble and didn't want to wake his parents and just needed his help. Uh, Clearly half asleep and confused. I mean, this just doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Why wouldn't they wake you and say, hey, I need your help. Come with me. Instead of carrying you all the way to the scene and being like, hey, wake up, change this tire. (laughs) Yeah. And then he starts realizing that he just doesn't recognize this this young man. It's not even like an adult. It's a, a, you know, a teenager a few years older than him. And he doesn't necessarily recognize this person. And when so when he asked the young man where his car was, because he, you know, he's thinking, this person has car trouble. They need help. The person responded that it was just over the hill from where they were. He then put Thad down, realized, probably realizing that Thad was confused at this point and would go along with whatever he told him. He put right. Thad down and told him to run with him, uh, which Thad actually did and started running with him. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like if you just, just act like everything's right? okay. Yeah, he was confused as shit. It's like at that point you're like, why didn't you just run back home? But right. I mean – you got to think about how disoriented he was. Yeah, and the and the, the teenager was also being very friendly as well. The young man was friendly and said that he was taking Thad to a party and even named some kids from Thad's school that said uh, he said would be there. Oof. So Thad and maybe Thad being new to the you know new to this town 
uh, only been there a couple of weeks, was He's thinking like, wow. this is an opportunity to to get in with the crowd, you know, to, yeah. to make some friends. I don't know. The kids are really nice here. Like, they want to hang out with me so bad, they'll carry so me bad. to a they'll party. They'll snatch me out of my own house wow. in the middle of the night. <laughs> Making friends is easy here. Yeah. So Thad follows this this young man to a home that was in shambles. It's it's a shanty. Like, it's trash all over the floors. There's no party. Oh, um, shocker. Upon entering. And the teen then tells Thad that his name is Joe and that the guests for the party would arrive any minute. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's now believed that Joe may have seen Thad in the yard, in his front yard earlier that day and, and selected him for this abduction. Because yeah. although I, I, I believe they did attend the same school, Joe was several years older. Thad was new to the school. It, it's not believed that, that you know they even really knew each other from school at all. It's just he may have been selected by just roaming around town looking for potential victims. And now, he had, but we, he did have a list, a though. List. Yeah, he had a list of potential victims. and That's probably where he got the kids' names from that he went to school with, you know? Yeah, potentially. Hmm. So this this uh, this Joe character asks Thad if he liked model cars and um, brought, brought Thad upstairs to his bedroom to show him his collection of model cars. And up mm. up in the bedroom, things were, were okay for a little bit. Then suddenly, Joe uh, picks up Thad and slammed him on the bed and pr- proceeded to violently twist his ankle until the ankle broke and was turning in the wrong direction. Mm. Quite a turn of events out of nowhere. And when Thad asked Joe why he did this to him, Joe's demeanor changed as he sat, na- sat down next to Thad and calmly explained that he enjoyed the sounds of bones breaking. You know, props to Thad, though, for being so chill and being like, hey, why'd you do that? <laughs> I mean, it I'm does, sure he's it, it really does sound first, that way. But... According to, to Thad, he, he never cried. He didn't want to give Joe that power. And see, I, I believe him, that, He didn't want though. to show him that fear. Yeah. I believe that because a 14-year-old, that's the age where you, you know what I'm saying? You're kind of starting to try to prove yourself as a young mm-hmm. man, 14, 15 years old, and and even more so in the 90s, in the mid-90s. And then, you know, you have this slightly older kid who you don't want to look like a bitch in front of this kid, right? Yeah. So you're going to try to be as tough as possible. And as far as you know, you know, it, you are going to have a party. You're going to get to hang out with these older teenagers in this new place, and so, I mean, even after your ankle gets broke, I guess, I don't know, he's probably partially in shock. I don't yeah, know. Because it w- you get woken up, and then the, the, all this happens so fast that I can't imagine what was going on in his head at the time. Oh, I know, right? Can't even imagine, like, trying to comprehend what the hell is happening right now. All of a sudden, you're in this stranger's house, and he's got you upstairs, and he's breaking your ankle, and you don't know why. That's just it's trying insane. to comprehend all of that would take a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Meanwhile, the next morning, you know, after Thad was abducted, uh, his parents uh, called the police when they noticed that their son was missing, and there was some some uh, disturbing things about him being missing, and that, that mainly that his shoes were still in the home. And to think that he would have, you know, took off in the middle of the night when he just moved to this town, doesn't have necessarily friends yet. Right. Like who's he? Who's he running off with? And why are his shoes still in the house? He had one pair of shoes, and they were in the house. So. Very unlikely yeah. to have been, you know, him running off. This is this. They were leaning abduction on this, right? Meanwhile, back at uh, at, at this this home that Joe is staying in, still unclear whether this was his family home. What what was going on with this? Because it doesn't seem like his parents were. We'll, we'll talk more about you know Joe and 
his upbringing and his, uh, his, his home life and all of that. But it, it's still kind of confusing as to where it seems as though his mom was home during this, but how could she have been, you know, apparently she liked to sleep a lot or whatever, but like, yeah, some of the stuff that was going on here, you know, he's breaking this young man's bones. You have to imagine there's a lot of screaming going on. I was about to say he would at least have to scream at the initial break. I know he's not crying about it right. and begging for his life, but he's still got a, I mean, that and, initial break. And over the course of the next 40 hours that he has that in his possession, he's they're they're up in the bedroom, but they also end up going down the stairs multiple times. They're on the, they're on the couch in the living room where he breaks his, now, you know, another bone down there. And like, it just doesn't now, do seem we like know, anybody's home. Do we know for sure that Joe took Thad to his house? He could have just took him saying, to an abandoned it's not, home. It's not entirely clear. Yeah, it could have been some abandoned home that he had kind of made his squatting yeah. in and He's just that would kind of explain all the trash and everything and just the the condition of this home yep that would make a lot more sense that being said later i mean there's something that would point you know in the opposite direction of that though this to this actually being joe's home when it comes okay. to dad's escape you know him calling the police all he did was oh, give yeah. a name all he did was give a name uh, and they knew joe, where to find him and they knew where to find him so that you have to lead you to believe they you know this they went to his home very true so yeah. Meanwhile, back at uh, at Joe's house, apparently, um, though in agony, agony, a little later, Thad still mustered up the courage to try and escape. Um, and in his first escape attempt, he made it down the stairs and halfway across the living room before being caught by Joe. So damn, with a broken ankle, twisted around the other way, not yeah. bad. He about made it. Upon discovering Thad trying to escape, Joe was enraged and threw him on the couch, where he managed to thrust Thad's right leg the same one that had the broken ankle up towards his head so far that his femur bone broke. Mm. And you, we all know the force that it takes to break a femur. It's, Bro, that's your it's biggest the strongest bone. bone in the body. Yeah. It's the strongest mm. bone in the body. And it typically only breaks from high speed falls or collisions, car accidents, dirt bike accidents, you know, like it, it yeah. takes a ton of force to, to break a femur bone. Mm. God, that's just painful to listen to. Honestly. Imagine somebody yeah. just forcing your leg towards your head until it pops. Yeah, imagine that, and then they sit down next to you and act like your friend again. Because once again, yeah. after the sound of the bone breaking, Joe's demeanor changed. It, he apparently right? was satisfied briefly yet again, sat down on the oh couch next to Thad, and proceeded to watch TV for basically the entirety uh, the rest of the day. Once again, leading me to like, where were his parents? Where were Joe's parents if right? <laughs> this is going on? He's watching TV with him all day. He clearly knows that his parents won't return. I can't believe Thad's just sitting there watching TV with a broken femur bone and a broken ankle on the same leg. Like, yeah, but what, what more could you do? Like, you, you. I think maybe you just want to, you want to keep him distracted or satisfied so that he doesn't continue to do it to you. God, I guess. But what are your other options? You know, like if you start like hitting him, cursing at him, whatever, screaming, he, he it's might gonna just, get worse. Yeah, he might just start breaking more bones. Right, and now you'll now you're down to one good leg. You're just trying yeah. to. I think you're just trying to buy time at this point, you know. Yeah. Well, Hope who am I to criticize? To right, house. because he's our survivor. So we'll see how this plays out. Yeah. So they spent half the day watching TV together, and Thad even picked Joe's brain, asking him why he didn't just break his own bones. Uh, allegedly, Joe said that he had tried but never could get the angle right. Yeah, yeah right. That's what it was. Sure, bro. Yeah, sure. If you are so inclined, you can break your own bones. Believe me. If I, if I was that, I'd be like, "Let me show you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let me see your ankle. I'll show you. What, I'll show you how to do it." Right. 
Um, and while it may appear that Joe was merely being practical by disabling his prisoner, he actually proved to have a sick obsession. Later that day, he carried Thad back up to his room where he proceeded to break Thad's left ankle in the same fashion as his right, spinning it uh, around until it was facing the wrong direction. Um, and Thad later recounts that uh, Joe also allegedly masturbated multiple times in front of him on uh, on these occasions. So clearly and you- gets off sexually on, on the broken bone yeah. uh, fetish, I guess you could call it. And, and I know you put allegedly in here just to, to be safe because Thad says that it definitely happened, but Joe denied that shit forever. Joe Would has you, been very vocal uh, from yes. prison in many interviews about how he didn't he didn't do these things and he blacked well, out can, during he, – he claims that he blacked out during the Thad occurrences of breaking. He doesn't deny breaking his bones and doing these things, but he okay. says he was in a blacked out state for that, but he completely denies having anything to do with – the murder that he goes down for that we we, we briefly mentioned uh, i think he i think he also protested against the masturbation as well though yeah of for some of reason that would. was a hill to die on but and i kind of understand because if you can tie a sexual element to this then you can there's your you motive can prove there's you know what motive. i'm saying exactly there's your motive and also there's a there's a good reason to keep this guy in prison forever mm-hmm. yeah because it, sexual sexual offenders are more way more likely to repeat Exactly. Yeah. So Thad tried uh, tried to fight back Joe uh, um, on this next ankle break by kicking him in the back of the head and supposedly, uh, we, as we mentioned, never cried during this. Um, but kicking him and trying to fight back only uh, pissed off Joe more, um, at which point Joe smothered him with a pillow and threatened to break his neck or his back if he kept fighting back. Mm-hmm. So apparently he would do some of this damage with his back turned to Thad to where Thad couldn't see him, but he was just going to work on his legs, ankles, whatever. He was even at some points jumping on Thad's chest, jumping on his legs, like standing up and jumping on top of him. Oh God. Just unimaginable. Like the pain that this, this young man must've been going through. Mm. Like you say, God, I I hope nobody was at home. Yeah. And if this isn't already weird enough, this behavior on Joe's part was so odd and that after breaking Thad's bones, he would then mend them and, and tend to them as if he were a nurse or a doctor. He would, Oh God. He would, uh, put tight socks like, uh, uh, what do they call those? Uh, yeah, like the compression socks. Compression socks. Yeah, he put compression mm-hmm. socks. He would put braces on his legs and even had him walk around the house with braces on. Wow. However, during one of the uh, walks around the upstairs with braces on his legs, Joe came up and pushed Thad down the stairs God of the home. Almighty. Imagine you've got two broken ankles, a broken femur, and uh, and you're walking around with braces and you get pushed down the stairs. The, the, the amount of pain and swelling in your legs. Oh, my God. Not to mention everything else. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just hope there's Your head, like a, your back. Your there's got to be a limit on what amount of pain a human being has to endure before they're in shock and they don't feel much more pain you know he had to have been on that threshold at this point oh yeah he's damn near close to it he's probably in shock throughout this whole thing it's amazing he's able to stay conscious through a lot of this you know i know there is times where he blacks out like the the times where he attempted to escape and and threw himself down the stairs he would like be blacking out Yeah, yeah coming in and out of consciousness right so at one point, Thad asked Joe if he could call his parents to let them know he was okay. Joe agreed and handed him an unplugged telephone and smirked as Thad tried to make the call. So just taunting him at this point. Of course. Thad would remain in Joe's bedroom for two days 
uh, I believe the total before he would finally be saved was 43 hours of captivity. Mm. Um, but despite his physical distress, he awaited an opportunity to make a second escape attempt. Finally, it arrived when Joe, satisfied that Thad's injuries were too bad to flee, left the home, first taking an extra precaution, though, by locking Thad in the upstairs closet. So he locks <laughs> him in the closet. He's obviously got so many broken bones, and it's been two days of suffering through these broken bones, too. So you, you can only imagine they've just the, the swelling and the right. pain has only gotten worse as they're not being properly tended to, no medication, nothing like that. So exactly. as Thad is in this dark closet, he hears Joe... Joe's front door closed. He hears a car start and leave and he sees his opportunity and he starts digging around in the closet and finds an old acoustic guitar and manages to batter his way through the closet door and make it to where he can get his hand out and and access the door handle to get the door open. That's a well-built guitar right there. It must've been an old Gibson. I was going to say an acoustic guitar to bust Ah, through a door with that. It must've been those cheap hollow core doors, you know? Oh yeah, probably. Probably. Still, because I was gonna that. say, like, if you had an electric, uh, you can knock that shit down like an axe. But acoustic, yeah, I'm impressed. I picture maybe he like <laughs> used the the neck of the guitar as like a javelin to punch a hole through, so that he. That's could what get I was thinking too. I was like, you had to use the neck, right? That's the strongest part. Because if yeah. you go hitting it with that hollow body, it's just gonna bust up. Like, a, yeah. you know, that's not gonna work. But uh, yeah. like you said too, they probably did have those hollow, cheap ass doors on the because clo- mm-hmm. it's just a closet. Yeah. What's up, creepers? Let me tell you about our latest sponsor, Bombas. Bomba's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy your Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas design their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxury, cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy winter layers. There's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options like comfy performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right, while their underwear have a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there, in a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. I'm actually wearing Bomba socks as we speak, as I record this. My wife and I are in love with them. Uh, they, they fit just just snug on your feet. They're the perfect thickness. They're soft. They're durable. You can't beat it. And then you get to feel good about the fact that you, know, you just also help to clothe someone in need. There's not many companies out there that are willing to give away half of their product to people in need and not make a profit from it. That is really a noble and incredible thing to do. So get you some Bombas and help those in need as well. Go to bombas.com slash creeper and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash creeper for 20% off. Bombas.com slash creeper. What's up, creepers? I'd like to take a minute to talk to you about Green Chef. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a wide range of recipes guaranteed to fit you and your hectic lifestyle. With Green Chef, you can enjoy your greens while being green. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of their plastic packaging in every box and 100% of their carbon footprint and emissions. Green Chef's pre-portions ingredients mean you'll actually reduce your food waste by at least 25% compared to grocery shopping. 
With Green Chef, you get hand-picked organic veggies and premium proteins so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. I'll tell you what, I felt great eating my... I tell you what, I felt pretty great eating my Italian surf and turf the other night. Surf and turf, but with an Italian-style upgrade. The turf enters the plate by way of Bavette's steak, which is pan-seared. Whether rare, well-done, or somewhere around medium, it's up to you, of course. Then served over a bed of creamy kale with sun-dried tomatoes and mushrooms for a colorful side. Let me tell you, it tastes even better than it sounds. And y'all really need to try it for yourselves. Go to greenchef.com slash creeper130 and use code creeper130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash creeper130 and use code creeper130 to get $130 off your order plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Yeah, so Thad then, uh, he escapes the closet and throws himself down the stairs. And this is, you know, at the bottom of the stairs, he, he blacks out from the pain um, and continually kind of like crawls, blacks out, crawls, blacks out, and makes his way to a phone on the wall and is able to knock the phone off the wall. He can't stand up, obviously, right. and even climb up or anything like that. And luckily, this phone that he was able to knock off or maybe he pulled the 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 cord to get the the actual receiver down mm-hmm. but it actually it was one of those old school phones with the buttons on the actual receiver part itself right he said that if it weren't for that if it was one of the you know like ones with the buttons on the wall piece oh he'd he have would been, been fucked toast, that he would have never been able to to call 911 from there right but as it was it had the numbers on the on the receiver he was able to call from the from the floor um call the police and basically named to the police that he'd been he'd been um abducted and been held cap- captive and that this perpetrator's name was Joe Clark. Damn. So he'd, he'd become friendly enough with Joe Clark or at least, you know, put his guard down enough and, and had conversations with him enough to get some vital information out of the, his captor um, and his name being Joe Clark and also learned uh, uh, that Joe, this was not his first time doing this and actually Thad remembered the name of one of his prior victims and that connects this whole story together. Oh damn! Police, you know, upon receiving this call, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's it's amazing. Well, not really because Joe was gonna kill him, but it, it's crazy that Joe used his real name and told him. You know, isn't it? It's like why not? It just tells an you alias? that he planned on killing. That's what him. I'm saying. Plans, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he definitely planned. He on was killing so confident him. that Thad was never gonna get out of there. Yeah, that he just didn't even care. I wonder how much longer Thad he would have kept Thad alive. Jeez. I know. That is a good question. I I, I wonder. I, I don't think he would have kept him alive much longer, to be honest with you. Or maybe when this you, is. When a, you think about his his prior victim mm-hmm. and the state that he was in, yeah, very similar to Thad. You know, the legs mangled. That's true. But not much damage to the rest of the body. It seemed like mangling legs seemed to be his forte. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It seemed like he was as into breaking, you know, uh, other bones in the body, the arms. It didn't seem like he did much to them for whatever right. reason. Yeah, that's odd. <clears throat> so upon receiving this call, um, police were they were already privy to the name Joe Clark. He had a, prim- a, a prior criminal record. He was kind of a disturbed young man that they were keeping their eye on. Right. So let's let's go through Joe Clark. He was born on May May second, nineteen seventy eight, and shares a birthday with Chris Brown and Adele. Hmm. I think we've had this birthday before. 
It's possible. I mean, fuck, how many cases have we covered? I know. I'm, I know for a, I'm pretty sure we've talked about Chris Brown and Adele before. Okay, yeah. well then, Another. good luck finding that episode. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have much to say about them anyway. Adele, obviously, uh, Iconic voice. voice. Iconic. Chris Brown can suck it. I don't really care about him. <laughs> oh, come on. You got to separate the <laughs> art. That's one of those situations you got to separate the artist from the art. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the art isn't all that it doesn't do much for me anyway. Oh, so. well, there you go. So really just care. separate from them altogether then. <laughs> yeah. So Joe Clark was born uh, in, on, in May of 1978, as I mentioned, and he was adopted uh, as a baby by Ron and Bertha Clark. And he grew up in a middle, lower middle class household. We don't have a ton on his upbringing. He supposedly spent so much time in bars as a child that he was able to, according to his own story able to hustle adults at, at billiards when he was only 10 years old that's he was just like a a bar fly as a child right. so much so that he became so good at pool that he could hustle adults not sure i believe that story i believe mm. joe clark to be quite a liar and storyteller yeah and i've listened to his jailhouse interviews and he just seems to have an excuse for everything and i don't know man it's, it's hard to believe he was like the doogie hazard of billiards yeah. You know, like when he was 10 years old, he's just this prolific billiards player. Or like the adults. Maybe, the maybe bro, they were just like amusing you or like entertaining you and like acting like like we do as adults. We we let children win things. Right. And sometimes it goes to their head. I picture that being more the case. Right. Some guy was like, oh, you beat me. Here's a dollar. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I got you. Um, but it does say something about you know, the fact that he spent so much time in a bar when he was younger, his parents were apparently functioning alcoholics. Um, uh, but he, re- he recalls nothing traumatic as far as, you know, no abuse on the part of his parents growing up. Hmm. Um, however, when he was 15, he claims to have suffered a severe head injury and it's, it's evidenced by a massive scar on the side of his head. I actually looked up, um, his, you know, him in the criminal records in Wisconsin, and you can see even pictures today, a prominent scar going off across his head. Um, I had the picture in the crime line, but for whatever reason, it's not populating in here. But if you Google Joe Clark, mm-hmm. uh, Lou picture, a look at, you can see on the side of his head, he has like a giant, uh, kind of like, Oh yeah. Winding scar that goes across his head. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at this up occurred. Now. This occurred from, uh, when he was 15, as I mentioned, uh, a dirt bike crash. So on this day, it had been raining. His friends wanted to go ride. The rain led up, and he got on the handlebars of a dirt bike with his friend driving, and he that's all he remembers was, like, leaving the driveway and basically coming to four days later um, in the hospital. It was such a severe head injury. He had a cerebral hematoma, um, and as I mentioned, still has a prominent scar today, but doesn't remember those entire four days following the crash. Oof. So yeah, that's so. pretty. That's that's pretty horrific head injury right there. Mm-hmm. You lost four days. Yeah, and it, and I don't know what his behavior necessarily was like prior to this, but he definitely showed some some um, violent violent tendencies following this crash. In 1992, he made serious death threats to a teacher at school, even calling them at their home to threaten their life. Mm. So this was three years prior to him um, beginning to abduct children. Um, and he was known at school by most as a bully as well. So, right. Yeah, we can see that. And this was all after the crash, right? Still. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was, he was what, 15, mm-hmm. 
15 at the time of the crash. It's almost like right after that crash, his behavior becomes extreme. Right, because he gets arrested at 17. Yeah. So, yeah. Man. Meanwhile, back to 1995, Joe Clark was out partying with his girlfriend when the police arrived at his home where they would find the missing 13-year-old Thad in a horrific state. Um, Thad had twisted feet and skin skin reminiscent of rubber. His toes were pointing the wrong way when he entered the hospital. Mm. He had serious, potentially life-threatening internal bleeding. Doctors said that he was possibly hours away from from uh, from dying from his injuries. Mm. See, that's what I was thinking. Like with all those horrible fractures, there's got to be internal bleeding all in his Absolutely. body and bruising Absolutely. and swelling. And then before long, it's just you're done and if they were if they were if any of the bones protruded the skin then you're talking serious infection Oof. potential right and you're laying in that nasty house on the floor and shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely dragging your body around on that nasty floor downstairs oh my god yeah he didn't have much longer to live that's the thing was like we you know we we asked that question earlier is like how much longer would joe have kept him alive i don't know that it, he had a say in that exactly yeah he, exactly. and he may you have know, like and he, he may have passed away he may have known he was going to pass away you know, yeah. maybe Joe knew he was on his last leg and he was like, well, I'll just leave and I'll come back and I'll dispose of the body. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Thad, meanwhile, from the hospital, told police that Joe had admitted to killing uh, other boys. And one of them, he was able to recall the name of Chris Steiner. Quote, I've done this to two other boys, he said, including Chris Steiner. Mm. This name rings a bell with police. That was the boy that we talked about in the beginning. That's right. That uh, had disappeared from his home and was found in a river five days later. Yes. later. So hearing this name came as a surprise to police since the pathologist who had examined Steiner at the time had found no sign of an injury. Well, the, there was no x-ray though. Yeah, and his body was bloated from being in a river for five days. Exactly. So like, it, 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 it masked the injuries, that the severe injuries that he had to his lower body that were, you know, we now know done by Joe Clark. Exactly. Even though he denies, but, you know, he's a liar. Yeah, he's full of shit. So, nevertheless, the case had been mysterious and the body had been bloated from being in the water. The pathologist could have overlooked something. So, the investigators uh, also learned that there was no x-rays that had been taken of Chris Steiner's body. Um, So, there was only one way to discover whether Chris Steiner had been subjected to the same treatment that Thad had endured. And thus, the link between the two crimes to a single perpetrator, they had to exhume Chris Steiner's remains. That was the only way. Um, to, you know, basically confirm right. this story that that is telling, that Joe told him that he did this. So once this was done, the forensic pathologist went over the small body once again, and this time, armed with more information, had he had identified four separate breaks in Chris Steiner's legs, and they were matching a similar pattern. And this is one of the thing, the, the uh, pieces of evidence that Joe Clark has later used to try and prove his innocence, saying that Chris Steiner's x-rays revealed spiral fractures, which he didn't he doesn't couldn't do or doesn't do or whatever and it's it's pretty idiotic to say so when you consider that his means of uh, breaking thad's ankles were twisting or his his yeah twisting his he spun his foot the wrong direction uh, that to me would create a spiral fracture i was fracture, about to say that's exactly how spiral fractures are created so exactly yeah apparently joe clark I mean, he is only 17 dude he doesn't know what the fuck about spiral fractures yeah, but he's also had plenty of time in prison. Um, by the time he did these interviews, he's been in prison for a long time and oh, had a okay. lot of time to sit there and you know come up with excuses after excuse and stories and try and point at contradictory evidence or whatever he wants to do. But nothing is convincing me that he didn't do this. No, no. He, he's absolutely um, did. 
It was apparent to uh, the the coroner that the, the boy had been thrown into the water with these broken legs, um, and he could not have used his legs to swim, and it could easily have drowned. And that actually, everything started to add up at this point. Mm. Um, this discovery gave detectives prob- probable cause to search Joe Clark's bedroom, where they found a notebook with three lists, all written in his handwriting, that included the names of eighteen local boys, and they had headings over the names. Some of them were "Go get now," "Can't wait," and "Leg thing." Ooh, okay. So clearly going to be on a spree here. Um, not going to be stopped until, you know, it's, I guess it, uh, for him it's unfortunate that it was the second boy that he, he picked up that was incredibly tough and courageous and just had a, an unbelievable what? will to live. Well, is it the second or he the threw third? threw himself down these stairs on multiple occasions just to, to have a chance to escape. Right. But he said he did this to two other boys, so is this his third victim? You know, yeah, I, we that we don't know, and I think no no other boy has been connected to Joe Clark as far as that's concerned. Okay, okay, yeah, and may, he may have just been exaggerating because you know you would think that if he remembered the first and last name of one, he would have at least been able to remember the first or something of the other one. I know, isn't it odd? Given a name, and the same way with Joe, it's like why would Joe withhold one name and not the other, especially if you're going to kill right. this kid and you already have yeah. him you know, incapacitated. He's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So you thought. Yeah. Now, Joe Clark's parents tried their best to uh, defend Joe. Uh, His mother gave him an alibi for the night that uh, Chris Steiner was abducted, saying that she she would have known because she was home and he would have had to pass through her bedroom. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it was shown that she was a heavy sleeper and he'd managed to slip by her many times. Um, And also that alibi would later be uh, ruined by Joe Clark himself in a later interview when he said that his mother on the evening that Chris Steiner was abducted was actually at her her sister's house uh, watching her her nieces and nephews. Oh, okay. So, so it, not very wise on his part to ruin his own alibi. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Joe Clark, uh, with all of this evidence against him, uh, a living witness and someone that he had tortured, pointing the finger at him and... Um, and also shedding light on the prior victim that he had killed. Joe Clark would be charged with first degree, attempted first degree, intentional homicide, causing great bodily harm to a child, mayhem, not a charge you see used very often, which is intent to disable or disfigure. Um, Also charged with causing mental harm to a child and child enticement. Damn. Um, He would plead no, uh, no contest. So those were the charges for Thad, I believe. And right. then he would have a whole other set of charges for the Chris Steiner murder. Um, but as far as the the Thad charges, he would plead no contest and not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. The defense argued that his biological mother, he was a- adopted, as we earlier mentioned, had a, been a heavy drug user throughout her pregnancy with him and may have affected his development. Uh-huh. They always got um, to blame it on something, man. You got to go back and blame it on something. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, the guilty or the... Uh, jury would find him guilty of all charges and sentence him to 100 years in prison for, you know, Thad's uh, abduction and mm-hmm. torture. Um, also, Thad was awarded $21 million in damages in 1997. And if you're wondering how he's ever going to get that money, that was that was just basically a number to ensure that if uh, Joe ever made money, uh, you know, selling a book or whatever from his crimes against Thad, that Thad would get every penny of that. Oh, okay. Uh, I was wondering. I was like, uh, how the hell is Joe going to pay this? Like, right. It's not going to work. He's not. And 
Also, uh, although he had long, long, lifelong effects of what Clark had done to him, Thad was uh, eventually able to walk again and still lives in Barbaloo and, you know, has a family, has kids, and has just basically moved on, it seems. You know, he still does interviews from time to time. and Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's moved on with his life. Um, unfortunately, though, Thad was never able to be a witness at Chris Steiner's murder trial, which he would have been a key witness, obviously, having been told by the killer himself that yeah he had done hearing it. the confession yeah. yeah um it's pretty bizarre though he wasn't able to, to be a witness at chris steiner's murder trial because that uh, leading up to that trial was shot in the back by another teen boy supposedly unrelated to joe clark it was some incident that the the details are, are fuzzy on that but thad's body receives more damage getting shot this kid unkillable apparently uh, god almighty also oh, he he lived he, he oh yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. lived. He just wasn't able Holy to stand shit. trial. But nonetheless, he didn't need to be there for jury to find um, uh, Joe Clark guilty once again. Uh, this time for the Chris Steiner murder, he would be charged with first degree homicide, mayhem, and causing great bodily harm to a child. Uh, once again, he pleaded not guilty. And for this one, for the Chris Steiner murder, he maintains his innocence to this day. Um, and he. he was found guilty of all the charges received a life sentence with no parole for 60 years on top of that hundred years he had gotten for what he had done to Thad. Right. He'll never get out. That's for sure. And in 1998, he made an attempt to appeal his conviction, citing a lack of evidence, but the appeal was squashed. And my guess is Joe Clark will just continue to be vocal about his innocence in regards to the Chris Steiner murder. Oh yeah. And continue to say that in, in regards to what he did to Thad, that he blacked out and doesn't remember the actual you know, breaking of his bones and torturing of him and the masturbation and all of that. Of course. Was, and at this point, he's probably done convinced himself, you know, because, and he yeah. went to prison. I mean, it's been a yeah, long time. Yeah, and he went to prison so young, you know, he, he still feels like anything he can get off his sentence would be worth it, you know. Yeah. But. And I I, I do believe that the brain trauma that he, he suffered uh, from that dirt bike accident definitely did something to him, changed his brain chemistry. Maybe he... Uh, We've seen it in the mm-hmm. past, where a lot of times the sexual sadists they they had a severe brain. I mean, Richard Ramirez, the the bookshelf falling on him, yeah. knocking him out. Like a lot of times, that, that uh, frontal lobe damage that they, people suffer, it just changes their personality, makes them more. Uh, you know, it makes you more compulsive, yeah, more compulsive, and more angry, violent. A lot of yeah. times, absolutely, dude. So. That's not to excuse his behavior. He knew what he was doing was wrong. That's why he was sneaking into these homes and abducting these children in the middle of the oh, night. Yeah. He knew damn well what he was doing was wrong. So, Absolutely. Guilty as charged, in my opinion. Um, crazy case, an MO that we've never covered before, someone that is sexually satisfied from breaking bones. Man, it's hard to believe there's people like this in the world. But, uh, you know, we'll just keep bringing them to light for you guys so you're aware of what's out there. <laughs> Yeah, guys, and we also want to make you aware of what's out there in your deodorant selection. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. In that realm should be Oh My Gaia. Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while still maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients, guys. And there's tons of scents to choose from, and you can also get all of these scents in scented oils and beard oil as well. From vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, uh, coconut, dreamsicle, there's sweet pea, sailor, barbershop, and so much more, guys, including our very own scent, 
called True Crime Pine, made just for true crime guys. And you guys can check that out at ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. And because you're True Crime Guys listeners, you can get 15% off your order by using the code word CREEPER, C-R-E-E-P-E-R. Insert the code CREEPER at checkout. You get 15% off your order, guys, no matter what you're getting. You can do this at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Guys, you won't regret it. You will not. You won't. I mean, we're we're already surrounded by so many chemicals and toxins and yes, all this shit in our in our surroundings. Um, let's not be putting it directly in our armpits as well. Let's let's try and go all all natural as much as we can possibly do. And and oh my guy, provides that for you. Absolutely. You can't find a higher quality product for for a better price than oh my guy and support the show as well. Which leads me to our other sponsor, uh, another fantastic set of products brought to you by Tonic. CBD. It's true. Not all CBD products are created equal from how it's grown and processed to how it's formulated and delivered into your body. Every step of that process that goes into making the products affects your ultimate experience with it. That's why Tonic's products really stand out. They create their own original formulas using CBD adaptogens, herbs, and superfoods, and they've been working to deliver the most effective, intentional, and sustainable products possible. Their farm-to-bottle CBD botanical blends are uniquely formulated to provide targeted support where you need it most. In each and every high quality ingredient is thoughtfully selected for its ability to support and enhance the benefits of CBD, resulting in a more effective, well-rounded and consistent wellness solution for your mind and body. It helps me tremendously um, to balance my mood uh, with chronic pain. There's just so many use cases for CBD. Uh, you got to look into a lot of the science behind it. This stuff is really kind of a miracle. And thanks to Tonic, we can offer you guys a high quality product and you can use our code word creeper for 20% off your order. If you go to tonicvibes.com, use code word creeper for 20% off. That's tonicvibes.com. Check it out. Um, and it's another all natural product that you can, you know, help your body get through this world that we're in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And links to both of those amazing companies are right below the description of this episode, guys, as well as the code word written out. So that's go right. check it out guys. I do believe that uh, we didn't we didn't give shout outs to those that wrote reviews last week, did we? We kind of yeah, I don't think we I did. Remember correctly, we spaced out on that. So let's let's hit a few of those real quick. Right. I want to thank uh, Mary Bell, the chemist uh, in the United States, says you guys are awesome. My daily hourly entertainment. Mike kills me with his humor. <laughs> True freeloader until I run out of episodes. I'm from Providence, Rhode Island. Wish you guys more success, Mary Bell, the chemist. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you, Mary Bell. Um, then we got Twinston1978 from Great Britain says, all right, boys, hope you're good. Been listening to you guys for a year now. Just looked at one of your videos. So strange to put a face to your voices, <laughs> not in a bad way. Uh, so thank you, Paul, who's been a postman for 27 years from Edinburgh, Scotland. Oh, wow. Um, right on. Thank if you, you're Paul. doing accents, he says, if you're doing accents, think of Shrek. Keep up the good work. Oh yeah. Cause he's Scottish. Okay. Oh, that's not right. Not now, don't care. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not now, Paul. Not now. <laughs> Keep delivering your lettuce, Paul. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Then we got Meg0823 in the United States says, love you guys. I'm late to the game, but thoroughly enjoying going back and listening. Right on. Uh, then we got dkelly822 in the U.S. says, love the show. Murder. Can't find you on Facebook, though. Diane Kelly from Mesa, Arizona. I don't know how you can't find us on Facebook. It's not that hard. Yeah, we, we're on there. We're on there. I'm not judging. I'm no. just saying, like. 
just type in true crime guys in Facebook and it should come up. Yeah. <laughs> or you could, I think you could check out our link tree as well. And I think it, there's a link to our Facebook. Yeah. The links, check out the, the link below and yeah. that the, the link tree should have our Facebook link in there, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it does. Okay. Uh, we got any more? Let's see. Uh, I'm not sure if it's in Jones or LN Jones. 11 285 mm-hmm. from the United States says, don't sleep on these guys. I started listening to these guys after killer Queens mentioned them. And I'm so happy I did. The cases are interesting. The banter is top notch. Also the outro song is a banger. Right on. Right on. All right. Thank you for that. Shout Thank out, you guys Queens. for taking the time to go and write and write nice reviews and, and rate the show five stars. Also, if you listen on Spotify, there's a option to rate the show just with a star rating. Yes. Yes, there is. Um, those have been going up and up. So we'd appreciate if you just take one second to just click five stars on that or four, if you think we're four, but anything less than that, don't bother. Just, just move yeah, on just... listen to something else. If you think it's that bad. <laughs> right. There's so many choices now. I feel like everyone should just have a list of podcasts that they think are five stars. Now there's so many podcasts out there. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. all right. Speaking of five stars, I would like to think our Patreon page is five stars. Hell and yeah. Speaking of five, $5 on March 16th will get you everything. It's the it's the ultimate tier. I mean, I don't think you can find more content for a better price uh, than our five dollar tier will be starting March sixteenth right. on patreon.com slash true crime guys. Uh, what more can you say? I mean, you'll you'll get the premium uh, once a month exclusive episode that only goes on Patreon, mm-hmm. and then every single Friday you'll get just the banter, yep. which we usually record for uh, an hour plus, and that's we're answering listener questions. We're just talking about our personal lives and things like that. You get to know us better. Right. That's a fun show. Then you get all of the Sandu content, Sandu stories. You're gonna get everything for five bucks a month, and you can pay up front and save ten percent. Fifty four bucks, you're done for the year. Right. And everything we put out, you get. Yeah, and if you guys sign up. Uh- you know, if you, I mean, it doesn't really matter when you sign up, but if you sign up before March 16th, all of the back catalog of Sandu stories and strange shorts and all, as well as higher thoughts, I might wait till 420 to release higher thoughts just for the hell of it, you know, cause you're going to have so much content to listen to anyways. Um, mm. but all of that will be hitting on March 16th. And right now I was looking at the scheduled episodes and we're somewhere around 80 to 85 mm. premium episodes that have, that are not available on the free platforms. When you sign in on March 16th, March 17th, whenever it is, yeah. to to the Patreon and sign up for that $5 tier, if you're not already signed up, you may want to like step away from your phone because it might start smoking, catch right. fire. There's going to be so much yeah. content that's just going to become available. <laughs> yeah. It might be. That's just a warning. We don't want to get sued. Right, right. Have you heard those myths about people who uh, all text one friend? Like they'll all get together and it'll be like five or six people like, oh, let's all text them <laughs> at the same time. And then like their phone goes all haywire. I imagine that's what's going to happen. No. I hope not. But uh, okay. yeah, hopefully hopefully it just, Patreon just sends you guys one notification and they're like, true crime guys just uploaded 80 episodes. You know, ho- right. hopefully it's just like that. Um, but it may not. So be aware. Be aware. All right. right. Does that do it? I think that's it, man. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week for another Freeloader episode. Keep creeping. Have a great week. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down. Let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder. Get murder. Get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making better charming. You hush your mouth, boy.